So perfect for our time, man. Mm. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You know, I just hit record because why not? Let's just yep. like jump right in. Um, Thank you. Thank you so I, much. <laughs> I, I loved your text. The fire was warming up. And uh, yeah, <laughs> a, a day of uh, some fun, really cool things. And and still the number of times my mind was running to this. So nice. What it, what is this? Let's, let's just jump in. Uh, welcome to the Sight Shift podcast for those that are here, we are in session one of the Courage Sessions uh, experiment that uh, I have a, a friend joining me in. And I want to tell you guys how uh, this came about, how we're here, what it's about. And so I've got Jeff Lewis on the other end. Uh, Jeff, if you want to say hey, and then I'll tell him a little bit about who you are. Hey, hi. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so Jeff and I met over Twitter. And this was years ago now. Um, and for me, there's so much of life that isn't interesting in that space. And there's so much that also is. This bifurcation is very clear to me. And he stood out as someone very interesting. Uh, there was a lot of courage in the way that he was expressing his thoughts and, and Jeff, what you were saying. And we'll get into all that in a minute. Uh, but I want to read this quote from Bruce Springsteen that you sent me when I ran mm. this idea by you. Uh, people don't come to rock shows to learn something. They come to be reminded of something they already know and feel deep down in their gut. That's when the world is at its best. When we are at our best. When life feels fullest and one and one equals three. It's the essential equation of love, art, rock and roll, and rock and roll bands. It's the reason the universe will never be fully comprehensible. Love will continue to be ecstatic, confounding, and true. Rock and roll will never die. So we're we're doing some rock and roll. We're doing some jazz <laughs> sessions. Uh, before I say just a little bit more about what we want to accomplish in these sessions, Jeff, what the heck? Why are you here? And maybe yeah. even there's a, a little bit there on what interested you in us connecting years ago. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've been rocking and rolling on the internet for 10 to 15 years, I would say. I'm 35 years old now. Um, graduated college in 2009 um, as a sociology graduate. And, you know, you navigate the world from there, right? You and I have talked before about previous crises I was not present for, right? You've seen more economic, financial, societal crises and collapses than I have. Um, though I think my generation is starting to catch up and it's like, ooh, man, it's a long way to fall. And you have no choice but to carry on. Um, I like what you said about Twitter. Um, I've really, for some reason, starting in like 2008, Twitter just seemed like this is the perfect radio for how you want to tune who you are and who you become. Mm. Um, so yeah, I've been a big social media content creator and personality for a long, long time. I think I have very few true fans, maybe a dozen, maybe 25, um, on, on good days, and in recent years, I start to feel overwhelmed with, with joy and achievement. 
when I feel like I have a hundred or 150 people I can really, really talk to and who really receive stuff from me, whether articles, links, quotes, photos, you know, I, there's a lot of ways to tune into the stuff I've done either through, through singing or through writing. It's, it's really mostly writing. I'm really a totally obsessed writer who, yeah, have, I don't know how to give myself enough credit. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to give you some right now because, you know, for me, one of the things we hope you as the listener get out of this is this is just courage sessions is what we're calling it. It's our improvisation. It's our rock and roll. It's our jazz. There's no wrong notes that can be played here. Uh, and what the hope is that people listening gets just can listen in on something real, something raw, something expressive. It doesn't have to be finalized or perfect. And you know what? The notes we may play together may not be the notes we play all the time. It's the notes that show up here. Um, and and so if you're looking for something buttoned up, bottled up, perfect, fixed, polished, that's not what these sessions are going to be. Feel free to fast forward uh, into the episode library of, of the podcast. But but that's that's how it's going to be for the next little bit. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. And Jeff, this speaks to the thing that I was so excited about this idea. For me, my one of my favorite places to go in social media is Twitter direct message, Instagram direct message, and specifically the ones that you send. If if I if that alone can be my feed, I can scroll through that and be provoked, haunted, affirmed, seen, felt. And and I just want people that are listening to this to know that we're we're gonna be our own weird selves in this to feel like a tree that is right at the edge of my backyard. There's this tree, Jeff, that I've watched changing colors, changing leaves. And this was the thought that I've been having about that tree the last couple of weeks. Who witnesses that tree? Like who zeroes in and notices every second when it's changing? What it was 0.02 seconds ago is not now. As every leaf blows. And and I just sit there in awe and I'm like, I, I witness you right where you are. And what that is like as an extension of how I want to feel that within myself. I want to give that gift to others. Uh, and so if that analogy or metaphor resonates with you, you're in the right place. If it doesn't, yeah. ain't no shame. You got a busy life. Skip on. Yeah. Skip the on. Deep, well, right. Yeah. I mean, direct messages on social media. It's where I've cultivated a very particular sound with that other player, right? I think with any relationship, I'll say especially romantic relationships, I'd say you slowly accumulate permission to be yourself mm. and you do the next daring, courageous thing and you listen for whether it lands. And if it lands, oh boy, fantastic, because you just gave it your all. You risked being seen and known and making a mistake and having your heart broken and being abandoned or being betrayed or worse. And they said, no, like, hell yeah. And then they do it. And it's like, whoa, this is someone I can play music with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think for me, just so people know, this isn't going to be an interview. This is a volley of vulnerability back and forth as we explore and expand. We're changed by it. We hope you listening get exposed as you explore, you get expanded. You too are changed in whatever way you want to be. Uh, but for me, I need to speak a little bit to what I'm looking at when I'm scrolling through what you send. 
first off, there's nobody I know of who has such an expansive grasp. I, you know, it's amazing to me, like people that I'm connected to tend to think that I'm well-read and I look at the the grasp that you're drawing from and I'm just completely blown away. Uh, and, and, you know, funny enough, I think if I would have read a lot of it years ago, I may have been more reticent to put out some of my own books at first. It's mm. like, oh crap, people are saying these things, <laughs> uh, saying them in different ways. But, but if I were to sum it up, and I want to hear you say it too in a way that you would describe it, I'm reading things that are giving expression to what it means to live a life where you keep leaning into the pain, you're not compromising, you're keeping the spark in your eye, you're staying true to a vision and a desire, no matter what reality slams against that. It's like how to make the art of who you are, but not lose the soul of who you are in the process. Mm. Um, and I mm. think that I think what adds moral authority to you sending that is I see you live that at the madman's edge uh, <laughs> in a way that totally I find inspiring. Um, not in a way that I I think that I'm not living it out in my own way and I'm trying to become something I'm not. I feel like I'm in that fringe with you in my own expression. But how does that strike you uh, as a way of me? You know, is it does it feel too reductionistic? Does that express what you would hope is coming across to what you're sending? No, it definitely does. And I mean, I I I don't know what I'm doing until I've done it. Um, <laughs> I I send things that feel right, that feel attuned, right? I mean, I'll often see when my brain is moving super fast and I'm in this like very ecstatic, creative, enlightened, divine spark phase, I kind of get like supervision. Um, sort of like it was written about Roger Federer that when he's in his, his mode, um, the tennis ball to him seems as big as a basketball. Ooh. You get inside his head and it's like, you've sort of got this 5d chess thing going on. And this like robot head where you can like see moves ahead. Things are way easier for you. So sometimes my, my, my eye will, will catch a glimpse of a quote with a picture or, a plain text thought or a big lump of text that I scrolled back through in my voluminous notes that I maybe wrote six months ago or three years ago. And it's like sort of like within two seconds, I can see someone can use to see this. Mm -hmm. I haven't read everything. I haven't read everything in there. I think I've seen it before. Mm. Um, you know, I, I read and write so much that I become an other I look at my own stuff and I forget that I did it. And it's like, oh, like I am a fan of Jeff Lewis. I do like his stuff. I'm also like, like that's also me. And it's like, I sort of alternate back and forth between being the maker and being the reader of all things. Um, I read so, yeah. with that. Nice. I would say, I don't want to cut you off uh, if you'll remember it. I read things I've written years ago and I'm like, that still speaks to me. And I don't remember writing it. And, and I needed to hear it again. Mm. Um, I want you to finish your thought if, if, it, if, it, if you want it to still express it. If not, mm. how, how many words a day do you think you're writing? Or hit both of them. Oh, man. You know, I mean, this last week, last two weeks, and really last, last two weeks have been wild. I feel like I've been at the blinking cursor constantly. 
I don't count anymore because actually now I write more in texts and direct messages than I do like, I'm going to do my private 2000 yeah. words a day. Um, it used to be, you know, there were, there were summer days in the summer of 2013 when I was living in New York for the first time and working a day job in advertising. I would walk down to the street and I would just pour into that phone in my hands just day and night. I would get 8,000 words a day on big wow. days. Um, 2,000 words is a good day's work, yeah. I think. You can be happy with that if you frame yourself in terms of, I am a writer, and I know that I'm young, and I know that you simply need to, as all the greats have said, from Picasso to Ezra Klein, no, not Ezra Klein, what's his name? Ira Glass. I confused those two gentlemen. Pardon me both. Um, you just have to do a large amount of work. And I know that that's what you do when you're young. And of course, everyone young wants credit for all of their dumping. Everyone, want, I mean, what is, you know, and it contributes to what you said about Twitter. It's true. Everyone wants to go get recognized because they did two hours of work. Yeah. And it's understandably laughable and absurd from someone who's 40. It's like, welcome to life, kids. <laughs> you have to work eight hours a day. And you get credit via money. And that's all you get. If you get more, great. And that's the starting point. And of course, the kids hate it. Of course, I still hate it. Of course, it's the fire in my heart and belly that I'm going to be raging with going against the world until I die. But you learn style. You learn grace. You learn how to be a warrior. You learn how to have a vision. You know, better to be a warrior in a garden than a garden than a gardener in a war. Mm. You're taking me back to something I forget, but I spoke publicly in front of people almost weekly for 10 years before I found my voice in speaking. Um, and then I've probably written a quarter of a million words on identity and, and all the process of the stuff that I think about all the time. And I'd still feel, if you said, Chris, do you think you found your writer's voice? No. I haven't. I know I've found my speaking voice. And even then, though, I let it evolve and change, or you're going to become this cartoony caricature of yourself. Um, but I, I do not think that I've hit that zone. And But I'm also not frantically searching for it. Uh, or else I wouldn't have the stupidity, doesn't have to be courage, to put out mm -hmm. books, right? Um I'm I'm okay with with the evolution of that, but I think for me, what inspires me is, you know, uh, can I share? You know, you worked at VaynerMedia. I can edit it out yeah. if I'm not supposed yeah. to. And I mean, sure. you you've oh, been around cool. the block. You've been in these places, but you're at this. You you know, even then, and then even more so now, you you have to have that outlet, and I see it. I mean, I see you post these screenshots where you've written so much, and <laughs> and then you're deleting it, and you're you're going and purging and removing and and that you, you see this on like we were talking about on Twitter, you know, you've thought about something for two hours and you post this tweet and and then it's there forever. I mean, I I'm glad that I have a blog that I did for five years that is deleted. And I have searched mm -hmm. like the pages where you can try to go find the past, whatever <laughs> it is, you know, the way back machine. Mm -hmm. Uh and I can't find them. I mean, you can find a few, but like 
maybe I was a little early before it cataloged it, or it was such a small site. Nobody, no trackers had to go get it. Uh, maybe it got emailed to you. I found some WordPress posts in there that I've seen and had a good laugh about that were emailed to me because when you publish a new post, you get an email. Dude, I haven't thought about that. I could go check that out. So we're all in this process of either, I think about it like a continuation of two extremes and there's this tension we live in and I wonder if you resonate with it or pick it apart, make it better. On one end, we are we are trading our dreams for money, oversimplification, mm-hmm. but easy to say. On the other end, we're saying, uh, you know, screw money. I want to live the art. I want to. I want to live the expression. I want to mm-hmm. give out to the world what I'm supposed to give out, and the reality meets there. And if you don't have the luxury of living in the the screw it all extreme, we. You know, I get the struggle on that other extreme, but dude, I don't want to, I don't want to. But it's not thing. a luxury any place. There's, if you zoom in on it and you yeah. know what I'm, these are courage sessions. Yes. I'll show you my tax returns. I'll show you, I'll tell you about my borrowed money from my family. I'll tell you about all the privileges I've had. I am happy to be white male creative, full of privilege and ridiculous and absurd, and the enemy. I'm happy to offer myself up as that. If I need to be Jesus Christ, and again, sorry, sorry, I know that we have a very, can have a very maybe uh, religious audience here. I just remembered who I may be speaking to. No, um, courage sessions. Yeah. Um, I saw your eyes go a little bit blurry there when a big internal car crash happens. <laughs> <laughs> to, I, I wondered if you read that as a signal. To be fair to you and the listeners, uh, I think I was getting a message. The crew is leaving the house, uh, headed it. somewhere. So we can actually be you're louder. Because you're, you're not. There we go. Because you're a good father. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe add quickly to my first thing and kind of follow this uh, rather line of thinking, this line of feeling is um, you're a good father. You're an extremely good father. You have been a role model for me. Um, I've written a lot about this idea of found fathers, about how no one really has the father they deserve. Mm. And you have to make a collection. You have to, to conduct a symphony. You have to arrange musicians, other fathers, right? You mentioned Bruce Springsteen. I've put him in my stable of fathers, if we can use stable in the terms of, of horses. But I think the actual word stable um, as an adjective describing something that is at rest or at mm. peace, I think it actually works well because I think to be at peace, you need the right people around you. Um, and I'll say I've, I've written, you know, 2 million words. I've actually probably written 4 million words. I, I've probably I, written I maybe more than that. As a as a, a person who's observed, I would say, yeah, that has to be true. I'm blown away, blown away by what I've seen your output over the years. Thank you. I mean, it. I think writing is an addiction. It's an obsession. It it chooses you. It catches you. You know, the voice is in your head, and you either follow it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And you know. Even if I could 
use this moment, this both platform you're giving me on your podcast, or me moving back to New York, me turning 35, whatever it is, like I could be, look at me, look how hard I've worked. Um, I'm somewhat embarrassed by all my work because I have lived very little and worked and read and thought and interpreted too much. And I go and see friends. And again, this is, this is typical millennial social media FOMO garbage, what I'm about to say, but I'm using it as a fun <laughs> material to, to paint with. Maybe we friend. should title this real quick before you tell your friends, the meeting of Gen X and millennial. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um, yeah. There's people going climbing mountains, staying at hotels, getting fresh roasted coffee, hanging out with their spouses, looking at gardens, going on hikes. I might get there someday. I think I'm still trying to learn how to walk in a big way. Well, and you're being honest about it. And we all, I mean, my youngest turned 16 today and at 44 years old, 1917, 16, it's just like, you know, could we have traveled more? Do I care now? No. Uh, it, it, it's all kind of happened how it was supposed to. But you were going to say meeting up with friends. Well, watching watching people's like stories on social media, essentially like making me think, and maybe I can tie it back to the writing. It's like even once you get to this point where you're able to translate, you know, the the eight thousand thought fireworks show that I think happens in everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. I think everybody is watching a movie all the time, and the difference between them and me might be that I've just gotten used to writing the whole thing down. Mm-hmm. And I have a sense of humor about the fact that ha 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 ha, no one could ever read this. No one would ever read this because they have their own. It's too, mm-hmm. it's too much. I could mm-hmm. give someone everything I have to give, but, and it would be too much for them to take. But you and this form we're in right now is actually showing me, you know what? Even if I went a mile a minute, which I can tend to do, whether at blinking cursor or on microphone, um, you can take it, right? I'm not unmanageable. Yeah, it might be fire and water, and it might be flood, and it might be a forest fire, but you know what? Like, You can contain it because you've got the equipment as well. And it's like, whoa, what I thought was infinite and could not be embraced or seen or heard... I'm actually only limited by the constraint that I'm in, mm. which is the, the narrowness of the pipe. But it's like, if you just keep zooming in all of a sudden, you know, one square centimeter can really, really, really do a lot with, yeah. you might not be able to crawl out of it yourself. If but, go ahead. Will you finish that? I got something. I want yeah, to play well, as the, the next note, the scene, the scene from the film Shawshank Redemption if you know the film or if you're, if listeners know the film crawling out, you've given me the, you've given me the image of crawling on your elbows. And that's Mm. really stuck with me right Mm. now. I have not done military service. I don't think you have done military service. I'm very grateful for anyone's service who has, and certainly endlessly sympathetic and appreciative for those who've lost loved ones. Um, I have not yet earned how to really use that metaphor in good faith. Mm-hmm. 
And I think my challenge as a writer and speaker and person in public now is what do I have the right to say? Am I willing to have the guts and yeah. the courage to risk using a word wrong? And Lord knows there's a lot around sex and race where you can really blow it. But it's like, <laughs> am I willing to actually be who I've said I am, which is I am a public amateur. I'm a public child learning in public. And I am your chance to tell culture what is wrong with it. Mm. I am your chance. William B. Yeats, and this is why I think you do need to be heard. He, he has that saying, it's easier to for a soldier to go to a battlefield and yeah. to face the dark corners of your soul. I'm butchering it a little bit, but yeah. 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 And, and you keep going into those dark corners. So we need what you're saying. And um, have you heard of that new book, The Dawn of Everything? I've heard of it. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Most people haven't. I'm not surprised you have. Thick Tome, I've got it back here. I started it uh, a couple weekends ago. Riveted because nice. it totally upends the history on the noble savage, right? That that we've evolved and we're so, you know, it actually helps us understand when we look at the archaeology that they considered different ways of living and hierarchies, different political imaginations, and willingly chose much of what we would call primitive. Really, really fascinating. But the, the point that I want to build out on right now that you're saying is, um, you know, as a form, blinking cursor, you know how to open up the floodgates. Mm -hmm. uh, not a lot of people do. I know what that's like. You know what that's like. What makes us unique is we also both know how to do it in spoken word. We can open up that floodgate. You could give either of us a topic that we're passionate about, probably when we're not, and we could BS, uh -huh. and rant and rail prolifically on it. But what's so powerful about this medium is that the dialogue evolves it in a different way, the volley of vulnerability. And, and the, the reason this made me think of the dawn of everything you're talking about, what's showing up for you even now, is how much of uh, evolved societal thought happened. And they have examples of this with like uh, Native Americans or First Peoples, where they intentionally dialogued around the ideas to to get away mm -hmm. from this one person trying to Oof. imagine all the wisdom and, and contain it all and then come and bring it. Now, I do love, because I'm thinking through a bunch of quotes now that you've sent over that are all about those times when you do have to get along and stare at the blinking cursor <laughs> and, and pour it out, right? But it's a, it's, a, it's a process. It's not something that we, um, mm. that we have to contain to one medium. The medium can change us. Uh, so I'm going to read a quote to you. Any, I don't want to cut you off if you had a response on that. Uh, it's good energy. I have a lot to say, but I'm going to see what happens if I let the the charge hold a bit and I'm going to pour it into what I say next based on this quote you're going to read. I love that way of framing it. Dude, I feel like the jazz musician, right? You, <laughs> you, you could have gone off on your own instrument on stage uh -huh. for a while, but we're playing back and forth. You just did a little. Uh, <laughs> and so here is, uh, you sent me these years ago, these quotes from Bill Murray. Uh, and 
Uh, I've got a bunch of them here in front of me, and here's one. Uh, and we can talk about why we respect him and this quote. I live a little bit on the seat of my pants. I try to be alert and available. I try to be available for life to happen to me. We're in this life, and if you're not, av- if you're not available, the sort of ordinary time goes past and you didn't live it. But if you're available, life gets huge. You're really living it. Life gets huge. Life gets huge. That that's the scary thing of you know what? And and I I would almost advise against don't go into the arts. Don't go into writing. Find your senior director career path. Get your house. Get your kids. Vote conservative. Move to the mountains. Don't be creative. Don't because it makes life so difficult. Because all of a sudden you have all this ability to interpret very fine details and you realize how immensely powerful you are and your imagination runs wild of what you could become. And it's a very stressful way to live. So I'm, I'm going to play the against being an artist card because it makes life so difficult because the pain and loneliness of not knowing what you're doing or who you are, your, your mind races day and night which is why I can write 8,000 words a day and keep up very carefully calibrated um, text-based conversations with dozens of individuals and yet bring totally infinite and customized patience to each of them. Yeah. Um, It is a hell on earth on my mind, in my mind, to be me. That ambulance outside should be coming for me. I'm not sure you can hear... 181st Street in Manhattan, New York City. They should be. I, I hope that I hope they call the authorities on me because I'm I'm because I'm an emergency. Um, but I I say all this with with tongue in cheek because you have to learn how to go deep and see what you are if you're going to make things for people. And I think right now, at least we can say corporate America. We can say America. We can say the world. We can say the world on. LinkedIn, which is a place you and I also do some jamming. And you have been courageous, sir. And you've got the guts to put stuff out. No offense to the content at all. I've got other friends who put out content that doesn't look or perform so popular, but yet it leads to messages. It leads to be, it leads to like, yo, like I saw that and I hear you. And this totally relates because da, 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 da. And it's like, whoa, that's way better than a thousand likes. One conversation that's actually going to become a friend or a business partner or a customer, ooh, that's what it's all for. Um, so I, yeah. I think, yeah, by, by cultivating my own madness, I'm able to sense it in others and allows me to shut up. Yeah. Because in a sense, I know that you have to say everything that I have to say. Yeah. And so I can even zoom out of what the content is and just go based on sound, just go based on music. Just go based on not the meaning of the words that are being said, but the duration of turn taking <laughs> and who says what, um, and almost the the tone of voice. It's it's not about even reading, because re- even <laughs> I could go forever. Not only could I go forever on a podcast about what is reading and how does it work, <laughs> but I also need to listen to a hundred or a thousand times more content from all of the Socrates and Plato's and Prince and James Baldwin. And I mean, again, the list goes on and on. And I wish I could just be, you know, 
black indigenous people of color. And I listened to 10 times to 100 times more of them because this thing you and I are talking about, intentional conversation. I've been alone in my room on a MacBook Pro and an iPhone, dude. Mm. been alone in my room on an Apple device for mm. nine, nine years. Mm. I have an image of 2012 st- starting really getting into writing these, these notes that became this thing that was, you know, 800 pages and then 2000 pages and then 6,000 pages. And then I had to go in and go in the operating room and try to, you know, save the body and cut pieces out and throw the whole thing in the trash and, file it away and start over. But of course those things haunt you, right? Of course those things haunt you. And of course it's all about people and relationships and what I couldn't say. I mean, look at any young man in his twenties, his personal life and relationships just choked with things you can't say. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Is that, is that why you would say to people to, to avoid the creative path? And and I want to interject this real quick. Because there are plenty of people that I know that have said, I'm going to not give, I'm, I'm not going after a, a dream or a vision other than I just want to be a resource for my family. And they're mm. not compromising. They're not no. soul sucking. It's, no. it's, a, it's a choice. And, they're, and I honor that. That takes its own kind of courage. Um, yes. Yeah. So, so, and feel free to comment on that too, but also why would you tell somebody though to avoid uh, the creative? (laughs) Well, because when you find your voice, it's overwhelming to think what your uh, mission, vision, and potential might be. Um, And it's daunting to have to realize the kind of athlete you are. You know, one thing I'm, I think I've sent you before is a link to a Harvard Business Review article. It sort of says, like, the more accomplished an athlete becomes, the more help they need in unlocking their talents and their mm-hmm. next level. So it's sort of daunting to apply my thinking now to, well, what should I do to set up my life? Who are the right five teammates around me? Who are the right 25 advisors who hear from me every three months, every three weeks, every three hours? It can all be customized down to my awareness of my own heartbeat and my awareness of the clock and the calendar, which being from the West, having upper middle class family, a lawyer father, Growing up in um, the lovely rolling hills of Menlo Park, California, um, the richest place on the frickin' planet, um, you, you get very acclimated to perfection and what could be perfect, right? If I'm spokesman for millennial here, we grew up on, on Scantrons and 1 to 100 scales where we spent every waking thought saying, how can I be the best? How can I be a hundred? How can I get into the best college? And you know what? My friends who did it, we are broken, Mm. broken, split open, aching, bleeding, profoundly in pain and disillusioned Mm. 
because life is not that hard. It's harder and softer and harder in a way different way. How is it harder in a way different way that causes you, that disillusionment? Well, you see how much power your, your, your work and your words really have. Um, other people are real. Mm. Women are real. You say things and they listen. You ask questions and they answer. And it's like, oh, damn. Like, you heard that and you said it back. And they're like, yeah. Mm. It's like, where, where have I been living? What, mm. what dictionary have I been living in? Do I know what any of these words mean? And so it gets, it gets difficult. And, you know, thank goodness, a lot of the, the greats who, who precede us, I think I'm quoting Wittgenstein now, the, he's a, an Austrian, Swiss, something else, maybe philosopher. Don't. He popularized the duck rabbit thing. <laughs> he didn't start it, but he popularized it. You can double click on that in a minute. Um, <laughs> Uh, he said the the hardest thing in life is to not deceive yourself. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I've never been able to recite a proper definition of gaslighting, but it's a popular term from the last few years. I've heard my kids start to use it. So just validating what you're saying, mm -hmm. literally, if I give a strong opinion to them, they know they're doing it ironically, but they're kind of mm -hmm. serious because they're like, dad, you're gaslighting me. Mm -hmm. Because it's become so popular in vernacular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the day becomes a very challenging task of, I don't know if I can believe my own thoughts mm -hmm. and I don't know who I can ask because I suspect everybody else is busy in their own such game. And so, yeah, you kind of suffer in silence. But it's so easily overcome by just reaching out in whatever gesture you have. And when I do reach out to someone and it's so warmly met, it's like, why have I not been living? What have I been doing? What have I been worrying about? And then you sort of get this time dilation, moment of eternity, oceanic feeling thing, to quote Alan Watts, I think. Um, and you see, you've gotten older. Luckily, I'm only 35. Luckily, I'm already 35. There's a lot of different ways to, mm -hmm. to put on that. But um, one last quote from the arts, and then you can tell us about ducks and rabbits if you want. Um, yeah. Gertrude Stein, poet, also organizer of salons in Paris, and I want to say late 1800s, early 1900s. I could be wrong. She brought together Picasso, Matisse, other very influential painters and poets um, in her salon, in her, in her home. Um, she has a good quote among many of her great quotes. We are all the same age inside. And actually, I'm wrong about that. That's Georgia O'Keeffe, the painter. But for some reason, I'm I'm trusting why my brain made that association, dude. The fact that you're the this is what I was saying at the beginning. You know, the draw and command on this expansive repertoire. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we're all the same age on the inside. What does that mean when you hear that for you? Uh, I'd say that we are our six-year-old self 
and our 26 year old self and our 46 year old self and our 66 year old self and 96 year old self and older 260 year old self. And we're also the same person who was 60 and six and 26, 200 and 600 years ago. Yeah. Being human is the same. It's sort of, there's no edge to the universe. It's anywhere you touch is the one and only place. Just like you could zoom in deep, deep, deep and get down to a blade of grass and a proton, neutron, and electron inside that. Or you zoom out, 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 out and see Saturn and Venus. It's all the same shape. It's all the same size. It's all the same thing. It's just one thing. And it's, it's the same everywhere you go. Fractal. The way I think about it, the universe is fractal at every level. Consciousness is fractal at every level. So the human experience is fractal at every level. This is the jazz. This is the courage sessions. We're going deep. But the idea being, um, you know, at any given moment, we can live this insecure, egoic, defensive part of who we are, this open, generous, compassionate part of who we are, or some combination in the middle. I don't know that it's ever a hundred one or the other. And it, it, it does come down to the duck or the rabbit because like you said, we all have this movie playing in our head and that movie transcends everything. Cause this is what Wittgenstein was so huge to, to make a point on at first in his early work, he tried to, and he wrote two of the probably most influential books in philosophy, or at least the field of philosophy he was in earlier. He's trying to say, Hey, there's a way to use language so that we don't have confusion or misunderstanding. <laughs> Later on, he's like, ah, screw it. We all make the meaning we make with language. And the the Pied Pipers of our times are the ones who hit those notes. And they know, I want you to see a rabbit, so I'm going to talk about a rabbit. Mm. And so much of what you and I are doing is drawing attention to, hey, it could be a duck or a rabbit. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see? What do you need to see? What helps you right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and I think for me as a Gen Xer, and I hope this isn't painting with such a broad stroke, somebody feels mm-hmm. unknown yeah. by it. So nobody feel labeled or categorized in this in a way that you can't be different. Be your own strong person on that. But um, we're, we're kind of content to be like, yeah, man, you told us growing up it was a duck. Come to find out it's, it's a rabbit and whatever. Let's just get along, have peace, you know, and I'm not saying I necessarily live there, but we kind of fade to the background with, and then the millennial is the disappointment of, wait a second, it's not a duck or a rabbit. Mm -hmm. What the heck? Mm -hmm. How can it be both? And you, you see this, what you used as a word disillusionment. uh, And it's, it's hard to watch it happen. It's hard to watch hope be replaced with cynicism. Um, hope doesn't have to show up in any kind of way that is glossy, that is fake, that is forced. Being Pretending is exhausting. Being fake is exhausting. But I, I, I do think we starve without it. Um, what, what for you, just curious about like your process, because I know for myself what it looks like and I can speak to that, but what for you, when do you feel the least hope and what do you do in that mm. moment? Do you sit with it? Do you try to relieve it? How do you relieve it? How do you sit with oh, it? Oh, man. I don't know if I have ever lost hope. Um, I mean, I, I write the next thing. You know, yeah. I mean, right there, I wanted to jump in to write a LinkedIn post 
oddly. But, you know, I think that's because I go where I fear to be rejected most. Mm. And I think that's like the origin story of my voice and my curiosity is like, where am I not allowed to go? Mm. What, mm. what, what thing will I break? How, how badly can I be disciplined? And it's like, please, like, tell me if this relates at all to what this notion of original sin is. And like, it's like a crave punishment. I feel like the craving for punishment is so strong in at least men. And I don't know. I mean, and you know, it would be different. And maybe someday we would have a female guest on, on here who could play along and jam with us because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm curious what women really crave, right? Just like men want success, recognition, notoriety, you get there and it's, it's just an admin job, right? I've, I've arrived as great as I'll get. I'm on fire. I'm healthy. I have 10 amazing years ahead of me at least where I can do stuff that blows people's brains open. And it's taken me a lot. Again, I've, I've had, I've worked every hour since 2013. Mm. I, I have really not taken a minute off truly. And I've suffered in silence. I've lived on a diet of zero to three likes on, on tweets. I've poured everything I got, kept trusting, kept believing when it's dark out, when it's cold out, when it's cold in my apartment, food is unprepared. I'm wrung out. I'm hungry. I don't know where it's going to come from, you know? And again, you've whispered me through this. You, you've been a partner in this because you, because like recognizes like you've been there. You've been in the dark more than I have. You've had more struggles than I have. And again, our, we both live a charmed life. If we can zoom out from our loud heart and loud head, we live a charmed life. Yeah. For sure. Your fortitude is our job. (laughs) <laughs> show up on zoom and in google docs and email and text and be good yeah I, I, I think i think about it every i literally every day now it used to be shame it used to be look how bad i could have it uh and it was like you suck perform chris you, you could be digging for minerals or gems in a mine with your hands you know it, yes chris it could but now for me it's not shame, but it's just gratitude. It's like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm going to take a nap. I don't feel like doing that right now. And I don't have to, so I'm not gonna, but I'm not going to feel sorry for myself either. You know, it's kind of like, because we don't know how to relate to ourselves, we go from self-hate to self-righteousness. We just vacillate between these all day. <laughs> and Ooh, too real. And, you know, I try to pay attention to that within myself as a way of going, okay, I don't want to feel self-righteous. Like, oh, I've earned it. I've put together some, created some stuff that means I shouldn't have to dig for minerals. It is that, that charmed life. Uh, but there is a thing for me. I think. Let me stop. I'm going to take the riff. I'm yeah, take a solo real quick. Do it. On digging for minerals. My, my mother raises pygmy goats okay. in Northern California. She started with, with two probably 11 years ago. She's now up to 30. She's won a lot of ribbons in a very competitive uh, circle of showing these pygmy goats. It doesn't surprise Uh, me that here's a whole competitive industry I never knew about. (laughs) Like the pygmy goat mafia. They are Uh, (laughs) on fire. Well, I I could name some members and there are stories. And I've, I've stayed up in camping chairs under awnings 
eating <laughs> um, potlucks and all kinds of desserts, drinking all kinds of drinks, non-alcoholic and, and not, not alcoholic, um, hearing the stories from people who have so a passion funny. and grit and determination that reminds me of mine, but is so different. Yeah. And people who grow up with animals, people who grow up on the farm, who yeah. talk about fortitude in 15 hour days, right? <laughs> it's a pleasure to be able to understand it. Anyway, back to men digging for minerals compared to how my mother gives the minerals to the animals. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you need your minerals. Here you go. Men love to dig alone. Men love nothing more than to suffer. It must be in our blood and our bones and our DNA back to Jesus and way back further. The Egyptians. You can bring the slaves out of Egypt. Silent suffering. Yeah. There's a hand extended with minerals if you can see it. If you want there to be, it's there. And this has been my problem the whole time. Help is there if you ask. If you get around to asking rather than tunneling a million miles on this journey of here's why I can't ask for help. I'm in such trouble. And turns out, oh, it had to be that way. Mm. Because my next move was not to ask a brilliant, accomplished, kind, creative, visionary woman to read one thing, to say one thing, to compliment her. God, do the floodgates open when you know how to or just let nice things come out of you and find a nice person. Well, only because you just brought that up. Uh, I mean, you look at religious leaders, it's happened that way. I mean, Jesus used that example, rich women funding his ministry, you know? Dude, like people skip over that all the time, but it is actually there in the material recorded. Whatever they wanted you to remember, that was part of it. And, uh, you know, yeah, we, we do like to suffer alone and... It's funny you highlight that because that's when I lose hope. When I feel alone, no one cares about the sacrifice I'm making. No one sees what I'm doing. People aren't reaching out to me. You know, whatever, all those things that can mm-hmm. compound. And and I'm quicker to recognize it now. And so rather than trying to hype myself into some kind of artificial hope, it is, and Henry Nowen has this phrase, you turn the, despair of loneliness and energizing solitude. How, how does this Ooh, moment deepen something in me? Solitude. Yeah, it's such a, he may, it may not be the exact way he says it. I've kind of like used it for enough time now. It's, it's become that phrase, but that, that way of thinking about it, lets the valley, not self in a self-flagellation way, let the valley cut be felt a little bit more deeper to Ooh. be a little bit more human. Ooh, let the no. valley be felt. I mean, that let the valley be felt a little deeper. That reminds me of painting and the purpose of what art is um, and how art stays still. What Now we can really go deep on that. We won't yet. Um, I'd say words on a page stay still. A painting on a canvas stays still, whereas the scene it depicts changes. Mm. Um, let the valley be felt a little deeper. I think we paint the valley and then look at the painting of the valley to remind us and deepen us of the appreciation for it. Now we can go deep in a spiral toward Native American art and see what things they made 
where art and worship were tied, where you make things that represent things you celebrate in real life. You make cave paintings of the buffalo, of the rolling hills, of the sun and the moon and the stars, and of the water and the rains as an act of, we're going to codify this. This is a lesson to teach the children. Say, this is a thing worth freezing in your mind. Mm-hmm. We freeze these moments. And, you know, I think for, sadly, because we want to give people a, a way to come to the jazz show and know that we'll always be playing, but they may have to make plans and leave. Yeah. Uh, we, we have to end tonight's uh, truly fun session. We've got some more sessions coming up and we don't have a plan for them. It's, it's me and you showing up and doing what we did today. Uh, But if we could encourage people to take something away, sometimes you don't have to take anything away, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. It is. uh, You're not alone. Hmm. The other, the voices of others can help, you know, it's not broken to struggle with self-hate or self-righteousness. It just is. It just is. Jeff, for those that listen to you and would like to step into the courage of what it looks like to even consume what you're making, where would you mm-hmm. most want to point them if they wanted to connect with you? Sure. I will say Twitter and Instagram are the best starting places for me right now. And I'll respond to comments and direct messages and certainly appreciate the follow or just see what I've done there. I mean, I've really poured, you know, if I just it's gave crazy listen- in a good way, what, what you've done, I don't want to cut you off, mm-hmm. but I'm going to validate it because it's easier for me to say it than you to say it. You, you have said the things that everyone else is afraid to say out loud. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah. What what the handle? What handle would you point him to? My name is Jeffrey with a G, Jeffrey Paul Lewis, and that became G P Lewis on all my social media. G P L E W I S. G P Lewis on Twitter and Instagram. Beautiful. And you- in there, there is also a a link in my bio. As many creator economy salt miners have (laughs) where i've got links to other platforms where i do stuff um substack medium twitter patreon youtube soundcloud things like that so this is me in case i forget i'll say this out loud as we close down um kind of saying hey next time we get together play that riff that you did at the club a few nights ago i want to talk about uh the haiku poetry at tiffany store Mm. and i think Mm. that would just be really fun as a as a stepping off point to get the music going next session so folks join us back there if you want um to to be connected to kind of some of what's unfolding for me just released spark eyes the book.com and this is a is unlike anything i've ever made this story tapped me on the shoulder last september i think it was and asked me to write it never had experience like this wrote it in a day 
invited my daughter into the project to help uh, and and as a you know 19 year old writer who who her college professor says and these are not dad goggles you're already writing at the graduate level she added something that would have been missing without her voice so we co-authored it her name's on the cover of the book so sparkeyesthebook.com takes you about 20 to 25 minutes to read but a story that you will not forget to help you make sense of what's happening when your worldview starts to break apart sparkeyesthebook.com much love everybody for being here at the jazz the courage sessions we'll see you next time peace